Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. So, the teaching on giving last week, I talked about how giving brings you into financial covenant with God, and God wants you to exercise your faith when you give. The widow didn't know anything about that in 1 Kings 17, so Elijah focused her faith for her. Thus saith the Lord, if you'll bake this bread for me first, the jar of of meal, the jar of oil, and the pot of meal will not fail until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. He told her, if you give, then you can have an expectation for God to do this in your house. Let me ask you a question. If somebody said, nowhere in the Bible are you taught that you can name your seed, like I was teaching last week. Nowhere in the Bible are you taught that you can name your seed. No, you give and you let God determine what he's going to do. How would you combat that scripturally? Was I teaching you something false or is it in the scripture? I'll tell you the main thing I would use. Genesis 28, I want you to see this. This is uh, Jacob. So you have Elijah, which if focusing your faith for something for you was, ant- was wrong, then Elijah was out of bounds and must have done that miracle by demon power if God didn't approve of that, but he didn't. And then watch this even more clearly. Genesis 28, verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Aran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found the stone to rest his head and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Now, did he have it? No. But God was telling him, I I tell you it's yours. I don't care who's there right now. I'm giving it to you. And all those people are gone today. And the Jewish people are there. And it doesn't matter if every nation in the world gathers together to throw the Jews out of that land, which they're going to do. God will throw them out of that land and keep his people there because that's God's covenant promise with his people. Do you ever notice that all the people that are pro everything wicked, whether it's whatever you want to name, transgender surgeries for children, all the politicians that back that, isn't it interesting how they all say that Israel needs to reduce their settlements and move out of that land? Because anybody that's a, it's an antichrist spirit. It's a spirit that's against what God wants. What does Israeli policy, foreign policy, have to do with, with gender reassignment surgery? They have nothing to do with each other. But you never see a politician that's pro-transgender children that also says the Jews have a right to that land. No, because they're anti-God. It's an anti-God spirit. So God gave them this land. Now look at this. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread out in all directions. To the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and through your descendants. Where are the Amalekites? Where are the Hittites? Where are the Philistines? 
Where are the Canaanites? All those groups you read about back in Genesis, they're all gone. All of them. And that was only Jacob and his little family. And God said, your descendants are going to be so numerous, people can't count them. And they're going to spread out. They're going to be in the north. They're going to be in Scandinavia and Europe. They're going to be in in the west, America, New York City, Florida. They'll be all over the place. They'll be so numerous, you can't count them, and they'll last. I'm making this covenant with you. Now think of that. (laughs) Sometimes I think, where would the Shuttlesworth family be if we just stayed coal miners that refused to go to church? Nobody nobody know a thing about us. Now, in, in, in just two generations since my grandfather got saved, you hear Shuttlesworth, you think preacher. I get stopped at weird places. I know your, your uncle prayed for me. I was stopping at, at a uh, hotel in Buffalo, New York. And the bellman came to help me unload my, my suitcases. And he said, what's the name for the reservation so he could fill out my valet ticket? This is in Buffalo at one in the morning. I'd never been to Buffalo. I was coming back from Canada. I said, uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. He said, Shuttlesworth? He said, uh, there was a guy named Shuttlesworth that came to Buffalo one time when I was a little kid. I said, oh, because he didn't say whether he liked him or not, so I just figured I'd let him keep talking before I said whether I was related. He said, I was born with sickle cell anemia. And he said, my mother, he said, I wasn't going to church, and my mother took me as a boy to this meeting, and this, this guy was preaching, and he pulled me out and said, the Lord's giving you brand new blood. And he said, I've never had a problem with my blood since then. I said, what was his name? He said his name was Ted Shuttlesworth. I said, that's my uncle. He gave me a big hug, almost too big. He cracked one of my ribs, I think. (laughs) Big hug, yeah. Because in a little bit of time from the time Alan Shuttlesworth gave his life to the Lord, that blessing, what does the Bible say? That blessing that God put on Abraham, all those that are in Christ Jesus, the same blessing that God gave Abraham belongs to them. Now, I'm just, I'm just rolling out of my spirit so I don't have it pulled up. But if you look up John Wesley, when he started preaching, there's like vice presidents in his lineage. There's lawyers, presidents of colleges. When you commit to God, it's not just, you know, I'm going to start going to church and living better. There's actually a blessing that starts to get on your children and on your children's children. The Bible says the curse is to the fourth generation, but the blessing is to a thousand generations. Everybody say, my family's blessed. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They'll spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. That's God talking. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Whoever did sound, it's five star. Everything's perfect. Great job. See, that's why you compliment people in Pittsburgh, everybody tenses up. They like to be insulted. (laughs) The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it, and he named the place Bethel, 
which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. Everybody say, name your seed. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey and will provide me with food and clothing, what else? What a terrible place for a page to turn. And if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God what? I was reading an article on CNN.com one time. They were, they were knocking the tithe. And they said, preachers tell people that the tithe is 10%, even though, tithe is, even though that's never specifically mentioned in the Bible. That's because tithe literally means the 10th. So stick to writing garbage articles for your newspaper and leave the preaching to us. Amen. Yeah, if God will give me food and clothing, as he, now he's not making something up. He didn't come up with the terms. He said, God appeared to me. Now, have you had God appear to you? No. But what do you have? You have his word. And God honors his word above his name. And anything God said in here belongs to you. What did we start the year off saying that the, that the Lord spoke to us? The theme of this year out of Psalm 37 is the righteous shall. And we started speaking it. And we started sowing in that direction and putting our faith out there. And what came into our possession in two and a half months? 24.8 acres in Pittsburgh. That Adonis is meeting with the city engineers and working on all the permitting right now. Why? Because it's in the Bible. Well, they didn't have a Bible. So God came and spoke directly to Jacob. But did you know this? The written word is arguably better than the spoken word. I mean, if you say God told you something, then it's, it's your word against somebody else. This is, thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. If he spoke it, it shall come to pass. If he said it, he'll carry it through. So Jacob, so you can, the same way Jacob put a demand on what God said to him personally, if you find something in here, my friends are sitting in the, in the back on the floor, and they, they called me over one time to pray for one of their family members that wanted children and was having trouble get, having children. You can ask them what I said. I said, now I'm an anointed man, and I'm going to pray. No, I said, the Bible says, and I told them about the childless woman shall conceive. It's the word. And if you want to put a demand on the word, you can have a baby. And she had her baby. Never was able to get pregnant, got pregnant, carried the child to term, and now they have a grandchild. Why? From putting a demand on the promise of God. So Jacob said, I'll tithe. But when I tithe, I expect you to give me food and clothing and protection. Well, he said he would. If you return to me in the tithe and the offering, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's lawsuits. Anybody that's here that's in business knows if your business gets big enough, I heard the head of Jimmy John's Sandwich Company say that's why he got out of the restaurant business. He said, I liked making sandwiches, and it turned into, I was just spending eight hours a day meeting with lawyers about people suing me. So I, 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 I'm done. People go to get a piece of your action. They did it to Jacob. But God said, not only will I bless you, I'll protect you from the people trying to get your blessing. That's right. That's how, that's how life works. That's how life's always worked. 
What does President Trump have, 1,100 active lawsuits against him? Yeah, when you go to the top, people go to take you down. But God's not stupid. He didn't just say, I'll bless you. I, not you, I. Though your enemy attacks you from one direction, I'll make him run from you in seven directions. And Jacob put a demand on that. And God didn't have a problem with it. You don't read about God coming back to you. No, no, don't tell me what I'm going to do. First of all, he didn't come up with anything. God told him first. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And Jacob said, if you'll do what you said, then I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I have. But I expect you to do what you said you'd do. Do you know not only does God not have a problem with that? That's called faith. Faith is expecting God to do what he said he'd do. And without faith, it is. I've been listening to some people like Dr. Paul Young E. Cho in South Korea. You know, to go to, go to a country that has a couple hundred Christians and, and no one has a church of more than 20 or 40 people. Even, even the Catholic Church couldn't get rooted in there. You go with no money, no American groups funding you or anything. And you start taking God on, on his financial covenant and start building enormous, the largest churches in the world, cash, by the power of God. If you follow me on Instagram, I, first of all, I don't recommend it. I've been put, putting every day, I've been putting a different member of one of the, the New York Mafia Five Families picture up, and it has their bio. Somebody asked me when I was in Dallas, what have you been doing that for? I said, to confuse people. And the guy said, well, it worked. But I like reading their bio. You know, everybody that serves, that doesn't serve God, there is another way to get rich, but you don't live to spend it. Go to jail, get killed. It's all the same story. You do well through 30 and 40 at the, at the most. Jail by 50, dead by 50, shot by 50. So you can do it the devil's way, but you don't live too long to spend it. You know, when that um, SI... What's that bank that collapsed in Silicon Valley Bank, SVB? Answered my own question. When that Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, I know a few people, you know. There's a famous celebrity that if I told you who it was, you would know. They had to sedate her and hold her down with restraints when she found out that bank collapsed because she lost over $900 million cash that was in that bank. Yeah, you don't get it God's way. But you know, even if they took your money, like if, if they seized all our bank accounts, if they passed some law, let's say the, the, same, the same regime got in uh, in 2024 that's, that's in right now in America, and they passed some law that if you preach like I do, they seize your bank and shut it down. They could take it, but you can't take what, that's what they did to Isaac. They stopped up Isaac's wells, but they didn't realize the wells were not the source of the blessing. He was blessed. So the wells dried up on them. Then he dug new wells and continued to grow. I am the God of your father Abraham, your father Isaac, and I'm your God. Isn't it interesting how every generation has to get to know God for themselves? And the God that blessed my grandfather you know, I, I, my grandfather had his fourth child when he was pastoring in, in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And he asked the, the church board there if he could have a $5 a month raise now that they had another son. They were barely making anything. And they voted it down. The next week, one of the wealthiest guys from Chicago 
came, scheduled an appointment in his office, knew nothing about it. And he told him that he liked his preaching and all that, and then flipped him Cadillac keys on his desk and said, there's a new Cadillac. He had a Cadillac dealership, among other businesses. He said, there's a Cadillac out in the parking lot. That's yours for the year. Drive it for the year, then turn it back in. I'll give you a new one next year. And that guy did that for my grandfather 23 times before my grandfather went, went, went to every year for 23 years. So it was a sign that was God encouraging my grandfather. Man can't stop your blessing. Even the people that supposedly are in charge of how much money you make and have put a little limit on how big they think you can go, God can end around any system if you put him first. And that God took care of my father. And that God's taking care of me. And this ministry. <laughs> my wife sent me a video that she has saved on her phone. It's from April of 2021, two years ago. Before we had the church, before we ever met the people that gave us 107. My Uncle Ted was preaching in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania, the last exit before West Virginia, and I went to go see him. And he called me out and said, Jonathan, hold out your hands. So I did, because he's bigger than me. And he went, the Lord says, I give you a church. And then takes his two fingers and touches my hand. I give you a building and property. I give you a Bible training school. And he named off two years ago. Now, how could you describe anything that's happened at this church without it just being a gift from God? <laughs> no, no raising money. Has anybody ever felt under any financial pressure or duress at this church? The church was there and paid for before we had service number one. So if you felt pressure, that's, that's your own personal problem. And then I'm going to, before we even receive the offering, you know what this is? This is a little under $30,000 that people have handed me between uh, Thursday and today for the church. Just on the street and stuff. You think if you dress like this, people wouldn't give you money. That guy has plenty. Plus he's got a chrome vehicle. No, you don't have, when you put God first, you don't have to go out looking for blessing. Blessing's out looking for you. Where's Patrick? Now you think of this. So the Sunday morning offering's already at almost 30,000 before anybody's given anything. I don't raise any money. Just collect it. Just collect what the Lord's given you. But what, what did you see me do a few weeks ago? What did we sow as a ministry to Rodney Howard Brown? Million dollars. When you do what other people don't do, you get what other people don't get. There's no red thermometer up here that we're coloring in to raise money for the church. When we turn the key on that new church, it'll be when we turn the key, it'll be completely debt-free. That's a fact. Because it's a gift from God. It's the moving of the Spirit in the last days. In the same way salvation is for whoever's interested, and healing's for whoever's interested, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for whoever's interested, I don't believe it. Then you don't get it. That's called unbelief, and God hates unbelief. But if you're, if, if, you're, if you're interested in the money part, and if I were you, I would be. It's interesting. It's an easier way to live. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he addeth no sorrow. It's not just riches. No one's going to ever have to restrain me from screaming when I find out something happened about money. And sedate me. Ah! 
Well, that's what James said. Weep and howl, you rich people. Talking about unsaved rich people. For your riches that you've stored away are corroded. Yeah, I'm not storing up treasure here. I'm storing up treasure in heaven, but the heaven rains down here. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great. You won't have room enough to take it all in. That's what that, you know, I, I, I was raised Pentecostal, so you could probably tell by my suit and tie. So that's what they would teach, Brother Tony. Well, I, I'm not interested in treasure down here. I'm interested in treasure in heaven. Me too. But first of all, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus told Peter, anyone that's given house or possession or land or property shall receive now and in this life. What part of that's difficult to understand for religious people? Shall receive, not might receive, shall receive now and in this life. Whether God blesses us or not, it's not important. That you're ticking God off because he told you he would. You know, if I tell you I'm going to take you out to dinner and you say, whether you ever do or not, what are you basically saying about me? That I'm not a man of my word. What have you heard about me then? Well, I'm going to take you out to dinner on Tuesday. Brother Jonathan, whether you do or not. What do you mean whether I do or not? Somebody tell you I don't take people to dinner? Go around promise, make, making promises I don't keep? When God says something, a wise man would say, thank you, Lord, that every word you've spoken over my life, I receive. I receive health. I receive strength. I receive long life. I receive protection. I receive abundance, an overflowing cup. What was I saying before I got all wound up? Anyone? Hmm? Got you wound up too. Yeah, Pentecost. Oh yeah, treasure, treasure in heaven. Who said that? I love you in a non-creepy way. Thank you for helping me out. In a non-litigatable way. We'll receive now and in this life, and we'll receive a reward in heaven. Then the Bible says, don't store up treasures here on earth, but store them up in heaven. But what does the Bible say happens when you tithe and give offering? See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that, open windows from where? So the treasure you store up in heaven is not just waiting for you in heaven. See, that's what disconnects you. Anybody that reads at all, anybody that's not just watching TMZ or, or, or Disney Channel or sports, there's a lot of worrying things going on right now. Like, it's almost a guarantee that America's going to have to default on its debt in July. I mean, I mean, we sent $100 billion to Ukraine. We have just over $200 billion in the treasury. And drop it. Because there's bills to pay. That's why they hired 83,000 IRS agents. If they don't get their money, this, this thing sunk. But guess what? I'm not hooked in. I live in America, but I'm not hooked in with the American economy. My tithe and offering bypasses the Democrats, bypasses the World Economic Forum. I'm hooked up with heaven. Somebody shout, I'm hooked up with heaven. Now, um, you heard me say when we started the church, the Lord spoke to me to start our own bank, like the Mormons do, so that we can have our own payment processing. Did you know they haven't approved one faith-based 
Federal Credit Union since what year? 2017, since 2000, so uh, six years now. Nobody's been approved. And we got our approval two weeks ago. <laughs> Pending approval, whatever you have to say legally. And now you go to charter. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching Janet Yellen and these people. I think, well, I may have only got a C plus in math, but I feel like I can outthink you. What you say about money doesn't make any sense. Maybe we'll edit this part out so our approval won't be um, rescinded. But I stand by what I say. No, I live, I, I, well, since when do Christians have to have everything dictated by the world? You know, if you churches will promote the vaccine, we'll give you $50 for every mem- church member you send us to get vaccinated. Keep your, take your money. Okay, we'll say it like this on Sunday morning. Keep your money. That's better, right? See, I'm learning. Keep your money. I don't need the Democrat Party to help me build a basketball court or a skate park. I don't need the Republican Party either. You want to hear something crazy? Crazier. Everybody say the blessing of the Lord. Go preach in Fort Worth, Texas Wednesday night. Go to fly out Thursday uh, afternoon. On the way, I went to stop very quickly at a boot maker called Lucchese. Boot. I don't wear cowboy boots, but I like, uh, I like their dress shirts. So I go into this boot, old Fort Worth, in the stockyards. It's a cool place. So I go just to that store and go to leave, and we have to catch our flight to go home. And I walk out, and President Trump's head policy advisor is standing on the sidewalk. And I thought I recognized, so I went over, and I said, excuse me, are you so-and-so? And the lady put a, gave me a big hug. Jonathan Shuttlesworth, nice to meet you. She said, our staff listens to your preaching on YouTube all the time. Listen. She said, I was going to reach out to you because we need a younger voice because we want to come up with a faith-based almost constitution that any candidate that we're going to endorse has to promise us 10 things. Would you be interested in meeting with us in Colorado with, with the president after? I'm in ripped jeans and a t-shirt go, going to, looking like Mick Jagger on his worst day. If you're watching Brother Jagger, I'm just, just an analogy. You're, you're a great guy. And, and there it is. The blessing of the Lord. No mailing letters in. No trying to pay people. Just going about your business. You're not out looking trying to get blessed. The blessing of God chases you down wherever you go. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. This week, you'll see the blessing of God chase you wherever you go. What are you believing God to do for you? I'm asking you that. I want to challenge you to do what your patriarchal father did. Okay. You said you'd do this in your word. I'm giving you my tithe. I expect you to do this because I can't do it. I talk to God like that. Hey, uh, Father, just so you know, I have no capacity. I don't have capacity to pay the rent on this theater personally. I'm talking, I don't mean my money. I'm talking about my intelligence and effort. See, that's what I feel bad. I feel bad sometimes when I see other ministers because I can tell they're trying to do it in their strength. Who will give a thousand? You know, this theater costs X amount of dollars. No, just Just give what the Lord speaks to you to give and watch God take care of everything else. And the primary way he takes care of it is by the work of your hands. 
I'll give you power to create wealth. It's not giving your tithe and offering and waiting for money to rain in, the, in your mailbox. Then the Lord will start giving you ideas. You know, uh, uh, Jacob ranched cattle. He didn't say, well, I saw God, so I'm just going to sit here and wait. No, he ranched cattle. Actually, if you read it, he had a relative that was trying to mess him over on, on the cattle situation. And the angel of the Lord came to him and told him how to end around the plan. So if you think there's a, listen now, if you think there's a system in place that keeps you from getting money, you're right. But the same way that angel gave Jacob a plan to end around the whole thing, where do you think this bank's coming from? This, that's not my idea. I was never in Bible college at 20 years old. One day as my ministry grows, I'd like to have a credit union. I didn't even know what a credit union was. My bank was my right front pocket. And it was easy to budget because when it was empty, spending stops. But then the Lord starts giving you plans. Hey, just so you know, in the future, they're going to start dinging people $2,500 per time. You post something on social media that they don't like. So start your own thing. Get your money out of their hands and control it in the church. Can you say amen? Why is a church going to keep its money in institutions that hate us and use it to pay for employee abortions in other states? No, not happening, brother. America's going to find something out in the last days. The church can survive without America, but America can't survive without the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope. The only hope. Hallelujah. What do you believe in God to do for you? For your business, for a child, to wipe out debt. If it's not big enough to meet the need, maybe it's a seed. And I want you, every person to, that's going to give today to ask the Lord what seed he'd have you sow that'll trigger that response. Return to me in the tithe and the offering. The tithe God sets, 10%. The offering you set by your faith. And you should do it with active faith like your father Jacob did. I'm doing this. But I need you to do this for me because I can't do it in my own strength. That's why I'm showing you faith without works is, but faith with works is alive. And tithes and offerings put, 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 uh, put, is an expression of your faith in the area of money. If you have an envelope, you can, you can take it right now. If you're making out a check, make it out to a revival today. If you're watching online and you're one of the many people that have given 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000, 220,000, 300 now, 50,000, and the Lord's speaking to you that way, you know, we're getting ready to clear land and build the building. That's why he's speaking to you. You're going to be a part of doing something that's going to put a dent in the devil's forehead. You watch me on social media. Your money's not sitting around in this ministry. It's going to work kicking the devil's head. Let me have the band come back up. We're going to learn two new songs today. Give you a second to fill that out. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com and you click give now. Thank you for your giving from South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, New Zealand, Germany, Norway, who else? Where, what other weird countries? Have, I don't say weird countries. What other unusual countries have we had giving from? Didn't we have Dubai or Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi. Whoever gave from Abu Dhabi, thank you. We start on television 
in Jerusalem, May 12th, covering all of Jerusalem, all of Bethlehem, all of Palestine, all of Jordan and, and Syria. Praise God. What a time to be alive. Give you 30 more seconds to fill that out before we receive it. As you're filling it out, let me say a couple things in your presence. I bless every business that's here in the name of Jesus. Every construction company, roofing company, every, I think half the barbers in, in Pittsburgh and Washington County attend here, all the barber shops. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray you'd do for every business person what you've done for our ministry, where even when they think they've hit the top, you'll show them a new top. In Jesus' name. I pray you'd make people city powers, people that are already city powers, you'd make them regional powers. In Jesus' name. And I pray you'd even bring some businesses to the national and international level as they put your kingdom first. What you did for Chick-fil-A, what you did for Hobby Lobby, what you did for J.C. Penney, what you did for... Belk's department store, what you did for Colgate soaps and toothpaste, every business that puts you first, I pray you would explode them financially in Jesus' name. Say this out loud, I'll never be broke another day in my life. Say my children will never be begging. I'm blessed. My children are blessed. My children's children are blessed. My business is blessed in Jesus' name. Now, so he took the offering for over, I'm not, I didn't take the offering for 40 minutes. I taught on giving, and we're going to take the offering in about 70 seconds. I wish somebody would have told me this stuff when I was younger. I could be 10 years ahead of where, where I am, but did the best and eventually found my footing at about 27 when I heard somebody preach this to me and was taught against all this stuff. And after an hour and a half, I thought, that's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. I don't care what, what my denomination says. Now, last week, before they received the offering, last week, I talked about the Holy Ghost and fire, and when we got on the fire part, the thing broke loose, and I still haven't recovered from that Sunday. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, the Bible says, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. So when I was driving home, I had a couple of old, old, old Pentecostal songs come up in my spirit. And brother and sister, uh, Tony and Clarita Jackson, were kind enough to learn them in the band. And I'm going to have, they're going to sing a first one. This one's called Funeral Plans. And it was written by somebody in Kentucky that was thumbing through their great-grandfather's Bible and saw what he wrote. Tell my friends and neighbors not to mourn for me. They can come up and see me. I've left them a road map, meaning the Bible. I'm going up to heaven. I was thinking last week, this is going to be a great Sunday, by the way. And if you have a bad service with these church people, you need to find another job because these are great people. Um, growing up in Pentecostal church, we used to do something I don't hear people do much anymore, and that's preaching on heaven and singing about heaven. This earth's not our home. <laughs> We're passing through. There's a place called heaven. You're going to meet loved ones there that live pure and holy. You're going to go there. 
You're going to meet, you're not just going to talk about Jesus and believe in Jesus. One day you will behold him. Amen. Amen. My grandfather used to love it, and the older he got, the more he'd sing about it. One song he liked, it was called Heaven Sounding Sweeter All the Time. That's what I think when I watch the news. Best of luck to you folks. I'm getting out of here. But before I go, I'm going to take some people from Pittsburgh with me. And I'm going to get a high, when I go up there, I'm going to get a high five from Mr. Rogers. You know what I found out this week? Mr. Rogers, every morning, did his devotions in the original Hebrew and original Greek. You always heard him say, I love you on TV. I, one letter, love, four letters, you, three letters. He had one, four, three inscribed on all his suits. And he kept his weight at 143 pounds as a reminder to himself his whole life about how God loves you and where to love people. Yeah, look what God did with him. Start a little on WQED and then he, worldwide. You'd be amazed what God will do with you if, you if you give him some honor. Amen? You can be seated. Thanks, guys. How many appreciate Sister Clarita and all the musicians and singers? Yeah! Great job. You know, I was preaching up in, I won't say where, but it was uh, Montreal. And they told me, this is when I first got out of Bible school. They said, I know you're from America, and everybody shouts and says amen, but we're very reserved up here. And they were right. The church people were very reserved. But then those same church people took me to a hockey game. And those conservative Canadians, had, the men had their shirts off painted red and blue for the Habs pounding on the glass, yelling for men on their team to beat other men. So when people say that's, you know, what you hear in church, that's just emotion. Who created emotion, God or the devil? Yeah, what you find out is if you, don't, if you don't express yourself to God in church, then people go other places and express themselves. For the Steelers, sing to the Steelers, yell for the Steelers, jump for the Steelers, dance for the Steelers, the Penguins, and I'm, I'm for all of them. I started watching Mary Lemieux when I was in fourth grade. I, I love the Penguins. But my worship and my expression is for God. See, when you, when you give that to those people, it doesn't go anywhere. But when you put that upward to God, the Bible says when they shouted to the Lord, the walls of Jericho fell flat. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 22:7 that God abides in the praises of Israel or the praises of his people. So think of this. When you pray, angels attend to your prayers. You can see that in the Bible, Daniel chapter 10. Prayers put angels to work. But when you praise God, God himself steps into your praise. That's why, did you ever wonder why when Paul was in prison, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake. What caused that earthquake? The Bible says the chains of every prisoner fell off and every prison door came open. Because when they praised God, God stepped into their praise. And I'm not preaching on, on praise, but I'm going to tell you, that's a pinnacle of not just this church, of church. And that's something the enemy took from the church. You, in America, you go to most churches, it sounds like they're having Jesus' funeral every Sunday. He's not dead, he's alive. And when we sing... It's a reminder to the devil that 2,000 years ago, he lost. The people of God are celebratory people. 
We're not trying to get the victory. We have the victory. Now think of this. They prayed and sang praises unto God. The earthquake didn't come when they prayed. It came when they praised. There's an old Pentecostal journal from the early 1900s. There was a woman missionary, Pentecostal missionary, and she got uh, smallpox before they had the vaccine. So they quarantined her in a facility, and she's praying, praying in tongues, praying in English. Lord, I need you to heal me. I'm called, uh, uh, you called me to the nations, and I'm sick, and there's no cure for this. She's praying for a day, now into the second day. And on the second day she's praying, Jesus walked into the room. This is what she said. Holding the old-fashioned scales of justice. One side of the scale said prayer, and the other side said praise. Prayer was weighted to the bottom, and praise was empty. And Jesus said, when your praise catches up with your prayer, there'll be an earthquake. Many Christians, I've been praying, and I've been praying, and we're praying, and nothing's happening. Do you ever think about maybe doing something else? Maybe you've prayed enough. Do you know an old preacher said praise is the highest form of prayer? Because think of it, when you're not sure what the Word says, Father, I need you to meet my needs, but when you know what the Word says, He has supplied all my needs according to His riches and glory. There's nothing to ask for. You can celebrate because the battle's already been won. I'm telling you, you're going to leave this church today. Everything you thought was a battle, there's been an earthquake that's knocked every chain off and opened every prison door. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen? Well, this is part three of the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke, the third chapter. Three weeks ago, three Sundays ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Seven weeks later, there was the Feast of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was sent. So rather than have a Pentecost Sunday, first of all, if you go to this church, we have 52 of them every year. But I wanted to teach on, I wanted to teach on and preach on the personal work of the Holy Spirit, who's why Jesus came. And you're going to see it here. Luke chapter, how many of you have enjoyed this series so far? Been great, been great being with you doing it. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John the Baptist answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is mightier than I am. So much mightier that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptized you in water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And that's what, we're, that's what you read about. That's what Jeremiah talked about. You know, somebody from some nominal church didn't like that song. That's a scripture. Jeremiah said, if I try to stop prophesying, how can I do it? His word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary from holding it in. And that's what we've been preaching on. And some of you have got on that track in Christianity. Christianity used to be difficult for you. You knew you weren't supposed to drink. You knew you weren't supposed to run around on your wife. But you, yeah, you don't have the power to do it. You can't live for God on your own power. But the Bible says in John 1:12, as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power. Power. Christianity is power. It's resurrection life. The Bible says, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. It's living power. 
I baptize you in water, but someone is coming soon who's mightier than I am. So much mightier, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. I baptize you with water, but the same way I baptize you in water, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. I've said this uh, one of the other weeks. I said, whatever you think you like about this church, Jonathan, I like how he's passionate. I like how he's bold. Whatever. It's not boldness. It's not passion. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the thing that keeps kids sitting on the edge of their seat where you don't have to tell them to be quiet. Young kids, people that haven't been to church that are sitting first service, crying their eyes out. What is that? Passion doesn't do that. You don't listen to Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen and start crying. Well, it's really touching my heart watching him curse at those people with that passion. No. All those things, it's a, it's a, listen now, it's a thing that the church has. It's our calling card. If we lose it, we have nothing. If we lose it, all we are are self-help, behavioral modification. I'll keep you in prayer. But that fire that God gave the church, for the Bible says they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Think of how the church was birthed. Turn to, uh, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. Now, what's the name of this book? They call it Acts for short, but what is it? It says here, Acts of the Apostles. But I wouldn't be wrong, and it does say this in some Bibles, and it's the correct way to say it. The acts of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. It was God working. The Bible says it was God working with them or God working through them. So you see what Peter was without the Holy Ghost. He was a failure. He never, in seven weeks after Jesus rose from the dead, he never led one person to the Lord. Then the second he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, he he goes on a rampage. Like a spiritual Rambo, one-man wrecking crew. Healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. What was the change? It's the acts. Because if you make it the apostles, well, that was for the apostles. And now the apostles are all dead. But it's not. This promise is to you and to your children, even to those that are afar off, even as many as would call on the name of the Lord. And I want to I tell you this while I'm at it. You notice we sang that song, funeral plans and all that? We didn't pass out any snakes. We don't do weird stuff here. I'm not a dysfunctional person. My wife's up up in the top. Been married 16 years. My child's there serving the Lord. We got money in the bank. We got money in the church. The Holy Ghost doesn't make you unable to function in society. The Holy Ghost, was Jesus lightly filled with the Holy Ghost, not filled with the Holy Ghost, or full of the Holy Ghost? Now, because he was... He could function in any sphere of society. He could sit at a table with prostitutes and and, uh, uh, tax collectors and corrupt people, and they loved him. He could go to the government, and Pilate say, I find no fault in this man, and people want to hear about what he's saying. This is not a decision to be weird and find some kind of like fake spiritual thing because you can't hack it in life. It's a power God gives you at school. Now, this this is a problem that I have. When people say that this is something that was given to establish the early church, and that's why God had to do these miracles because he was establishing Christianity. 
How? First of all, it's not in the Bible. Second of all, even if you believe that, do you not understand? I'm only 42 and I understand that the church has to be reestablished in every generation. If it's not, it only takes Judges chapter 2. There was Moses who knew God, the generation with Moses that knew about God and his mighty works through Moses, and then another generation arose who knew not God nor remembered his mighty works. That's why you hear me take time to tell you about miracles. And on this series especially, I'm pulling out some old stuff that people need to see. Why I serve God? I saw some things as a child in church that let me know these are not storybooks. Jesus is alive. He's a mighty God, and he answers everybody that calls on his name. What city are we in right now? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had a mighty move of God that went worldwide in 1969. Charismatic, they call it the charismatic movement, started at Duquesne University among the the Catholic nuns and priests that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they were studying the Bible and said, no, it never says this stuff died out. It it says it's for anybody that's interested. Anything that's in here, what I say to one, I say to all. That's what God said. What he gave to them. God didn't love, listen now, God didn't love the apostle Peter any more than he loves you. The apostle Peter was no more right with God than you are if you're born again. The blood of Jesus made Peter right with God, and the blood of Jesus made you right with God. The blood of Jesus made Peter righteous, the same blood makes you righteous. It's a false interpretation of the Bible to tell people that these things are written so you can like marvel at Peter, marvel at Paul. No, God is no respecter of persons. What he has for one, he has for anybody that's hungry and thirsty. How many people are hungry and thirsty here? That's that's what we gear our church for. Hungry and thirsty people. Not people that want to be home, you know, soon and just, this is Sunday and I have to be in church, but I don't want to be there too long. There's plenty of churches to accommodate that. But we're looking to raise up young people. Mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers that love God, that have a passion and a hunger for God. And it's been the joy of my heart every Sunday to see tons of people come. That while they tell you on the news this stuff's all dead, this generation's backslidden, first of all, this is an actual statistic according to Pew Pew or Barner Research Group. Church attendance is at the highest level it's ever been in the history of the United States since they started keeping records as of this year. That's a fact. The devil always wants you to feel like you're in the minority, which even if you were, who cares? One puts 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. But we're not in a minority in America. America, you saw, I played it yesterday in Wisconsin. We had the line people up and down the hallway. Just put something on my Instagram story that since I'm going to be in town in Fort Worth, I'm going to rent a ballroom and anyone that wants to come can come. You have just under 300 people come in foul weather to come and hear the gospel and get prayed for. That guy from Norway come in from the bar and get saved. This is the outpouring. This is the final outpouring of the Holy Ghost on all flesh. The devil's not going to write the last chapter of American history. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to shake this place one more time. Well, those things were given, Brother Butch, to establish the church then, and it's not here now. The church has to be reestablished. You had that move go through Pittsburgh. My mother would go up and go see, uh, and my aunt that's here. 
at soldiers and sailors. Kenneth Hagin would come. R.W. Schambach would come. Catherine Kuhlman. Healing service once a month. And it changed. That's why some of you were here. It had an impact on your parents. And some of you that are older here because it had an impact on you. And out of those meetings, all kinds of charismatic and full gospel, strong churches rose up around Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was listening to one give the testimony. Near here. They had their whatever year anniversary. And they were asking some of the people that were in their 80s, what caused the church to grow from 35 people to 1,400? And there's, oh, I remember one time we were going door to door. Actually, I'll tell you the whole story. I was listening to it just fighting back tears. The Holy Ghost did exploded in a little town that right around here from 30, 35 people to 1,400. She said, we were having church. We had 80, we got up to 80 people. And somebody stood up and gave a message in tongues. And then someone gave the interpretation. Thus saith the Lord, begin to believe me for 500 people uh, next Sunday. How do you go from 70 some people to 500 in one Sunday? By the Holy Ghost. Same way you go from 120 to 3,120. The Holy Ghost. If you cut him out, it's tough sledding, man. But if you have him, he's tight. He's a type, a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is oil. What does oil do on an engine? Keeps it from grinding, makes it run smooth, absorbs heat. Absorbs the heat. You don't feel it. <laughs> We're doing all kinds of stuff here. I'm as fresh as a daisy. Don't feel any stress. The more you get into this flow, you're not going to feel any stress. There's going to be a grace that the same grace that's on this church is coming on your house today. Somebody shout fresh oil. Fresh oil from heaven. Hallelujah. So they said they started going door to door and inviting people. And they invited a Polish lady. There's a lot of Polish. We used to be a lot of Polish people around here. That's my mom's side of the family was that. And uh, she couldn't speak any English. So she's in church because her neighbor invited her to be nice. And they said somebody popped up and gave a message in tongues. This is one county south of here in the 1970s. And they're waiting for the interpretation. The Bible says if somebody speaks in tongues, let another interpret. Who has the interpretation? Well, they're waiting for the interpretation when that person finished their message in tongues. That old Polish lady got up and went to the altar crying. Heard the gospel in perfect Polish from that message in tongues. Wasn't speaking in Polish. They all heard their, they all heard in their language. I've told you about that another week, about me giving a message in tongues in Vermont and a lady from San Juan, Puerto Rico coming up and getting saved that she heard in Spanish. Stop trying to figure me out with your head and receive me into your heart. I didn't say it in Spanish because my wife never heard me speak any Spanish. And I know enough Spanish that I'd know if I was speaking it. They heard them saying, it's a supernatural language. And that lady came forward. Then they said another Sunday, they were just praying. And all of a sudden, as they're praying, this guy got picked up. They said it was like somebody picked him up, they couldn't see. By the power of God and thrown from the first pew into the third pew out under the power. Got hit by the power of God. Yeah. And they said, that, then they said stuff like that started happening. And before you knew it, we... Then we were at 500, and the next, the next week we had 500, like the Holy Ghost said. Then it started to explode from there. My mother was in that church from, from a family where nobody went to church. 
felt called in the ministry, went to Bible school. Out of that meeting, met my dad, made me and my, my sister. We're products of that. Dad died at, when she was 15 of brain cancer and lung cancer, mesothelioma from the glass factory and, lung, and three packs a day cigarettes. Everything hard in the family. Nobody have any money. And God turned it all around by the Holy Ghost. Not some 50% version of Christianity. The real Bible Christianity. Now that, that's, what, that's what blew up the early church. That's what blew up Pittsburgh in the 70s. But where is it now? So if you let it go, then there's a generation that comes up that doesn't know there's a delivering God. And the pharmaceuticals lick, c- companies lick their chops and all the money they can make off antidepressants and transgender surgeries. Million dollars per case. Chemical castration and the, the hormones you have to take for the rest of your life. And so the devil preys on people because they don't have power. So the enemy offers them a solution and gets paid. But God doesn't want to get paid off your problem. He paid for your freedom, not with cash, but with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And then he not only purchased your freedom, he gave you power to keep it. Everybody say power to keep it. Now the testimonies are all over the place now. People in all their businesses we got, we got like a church full of evangelists. Do you know why? When you get full of the Holy Ghost, you can't shut up about Jesus because the Holy Ghost won't shut up about Jesus. Some of you have had people tell you that in your family. or You know, all you ever talk about is God. Well, what a, what a travesty. Sorry, I'll start using foul and abusive language again. Just let me get this out of my system. Yeah, you start, you, and you're not trying to talk about God. We're not, now I want everyone to commit to talk to God, talk about God for two hours everywhere. No. Just like you used to tell dirty stories without thinking, it just came out of you because that's what was in you. But God took that out and replaced it with a new heart, a wellspring of life, a river of living water. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What will happen? Verse 8, and you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And what's the first thing the power does? What's the first thing the fire does? You'll be my witnesses. You don't try to be a witness. If you saw a murder, you don't have to try to be a witness. You just are a witness. You were impacted by something, you have to tell what you saw. You're ordered to by the court. So when you get actually impacted by God, you can't be quiet about it. The Bible says we can't stop telling the things we've both seen and heard. Everybody say seen. It's not just what you hear. There's a demonstration of power. And God today on this third part of this series is going to demonstrate his power to you and your family. I'm not just getting this out of my system. There's faith being built. You're going to receive something from God that's going to change the destiny of your family today in Jesus' mighty name. You shall receive power. Power. 
You'll be my witnesses. You'll produce evidence about me. People won't be able to be around you for very long without knowing you serve a real God. He's flowing out from you, touching people around you. Now, people are, your unsaved people, friends and stuff, they're not going to say it like that. They're going to say stuff like this. I just feel better when you're around. It's like more peaceful. I like being around you. They're going to feel a different thing, just like there's people you don't enjoy being around. They walk in the room, you feel the tension and the anger, but then there's other people that walk in. You carry enough of the power of God, you walk in, the atmosphere changes to what you're carrying. Because darkness doesn't drive out light, light drives out darkness. Can you say amen? What happened when that power came? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Look how the church was birthed. Noisy. Signs and wonders. A mighty rushing wind. I'm going to tell you some things, because people, I've, I've found out in the last year, when you preach like I do, people already think you're nuts, so you might as well tell the stories you've been hiding from people. You know, I, I'll preach like this, and I'll have people come up to me after that I know and trust. This pastor in Allentown, Pennsylvania told me, when he was young, starting out in the ministry, his pastor was preaching, and they had brought a guy with a bunch of bone deformities. And he said, all of a sudden, you could feel the presence of God real strong. So they all closed their eyes and lifted their hands right in the middle of the sermon. And he said, it sounded, he said, I was trying to figure out whether it was a tornado. He said, it sounded like a train came right through the church, like a loud rushing wind. And he said, that guy popped up off of his lay flat bed with his deformed bones. You could hear his bones pop and snap. And he got up and ran around the church totally healed. That power came into the church. Yeah. I know people don't talk. It doesn't happen. And people assume because something doesn't happen, well, God must not do that anymore. No. God doesn't do these things sovereignly. He, he comes to those that are hungry and thirsty. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after me and my righteousness, for they shall be filled. Can you say amen? amen? Mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, everybody say fire, fire. appeared and settled on each of them. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Tongues of fire. And that's where we got off the rails last Sunday. Talking about the fire coming on church roofs when they're praying. Fire, you can't see it, but I'm on fire. That fire got a hold of me when I was a little boy, and that fire is transferable. You hear me talk about these claws? It's in the Bible, Acts 19. I had a guy tell me, he's a chartered accountant, has a multi-million dollar accounting firm, real estate company, and mortgage company in central Pennsylvania. He's not an idiot. I was preaching like this, and he came up to me crying. His son has just graduated college. When that son was born, he had impacted bowels and hadn't moved his bowels. Hadn't gone number two since he was born, which then starts making an infection through your body. So he's in the NICU, going to die. And he drives from New York City down to his church, his grandma's church in Manhattan. 
and tells the pastor. The pastor takes a, a towel, not a, a little cloth, but I can't fit a whole towel in my breast coat pocket. Takes a white towel and says, everybody in the church, come and lay hands on this towel on a Wednesday night. He said, we're going to pray in tongues and believe for the power of God to touch this little baby in the NICU. So they lay hands on that towel and pray, pray. And then he tells them, take it, take it, take it to the boy. And he said, he's telling me crying. This guy's no dummy, man. He said, man, when you were preaching, it reminded me of it. I forgot. He said, I laid it on my son. And he said, I kid you not, the second the towel touched him, all the, all the bowel shot out of him. Just came right out. He started crying. The healthy color came back through. Yeah. And that guy's in church now. And his family's in church because these signs point people to Jesus. That he's a way maker when there seems to be no way. When man says there's no answer, there's still a God that says, call on me and I will answer you. Fire. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So what happened? The people heard them outside. Then the crowd ridiculed them. So get ready. That's the devil's only weapon against this thing is ridicule. He can't stop it. He can just get you to be ashamed of it. Well, I went to, you know, it's kind of loud and they, the services are longer. And, um, you know, so we have another church we go to. And that way I'm able to see my mother for brunch. That's what people do in America. They have a church they go to that's a Sunday church. Then when someone has cancer, then they show up here or a church like this to get prayer. But you'd be amazed what would happen if you would plug in. Not when you're in trouble. If you would stay connected to the Holy Ghost and the fire and the river. That river will never run dry. It'll keep all those things driven out of your life. And, and, and that's what I'm preaching on. That's, that's my goal. I'm trying to get you intoxicated with what I'm intoxicated with, which is a passion to stay hooked up with God. Don't use God to get out of a pit, back up out of the pit, and then, okay, we're good. I'll see you next time I fall in the pit. No. What would happen if you take that? That's what I've been doing by the grace of God. That's what my father is going to be here next week at 65. I've been watching these guys. My Uncle Ted just turned 68, staying hooked up. What happens? The righteous are like trees planted by living water. In every season, in every season, they bear fruit. Their leaves never wither. And whatsoever they do, it shall prosper. Yeah. Because the same God that got you delivered off of heroin, if you'll stay hooked up with him, he'll start flowing through you to deliver other people from heroin. I had a, guy, a friend of mine relapsed on heroin, and he texted me. I need help. I texted back, give me the address where you're at. So I finished my morning broadcast, and then I went over to the heroin flop house where everybody was. I was going to change out of my suit so I didn't look like I was out of place, but I thought, if the DEA raids this place, I do want to look out of place. <laughs> so I went over in a three-piece suit, because that's what I was wearing to preach, and went there. And he's on the couch shaking. I messed up. I, 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 I feel so sick. I need help. So I just sat by him and let him talk. I knew, I knew. Now this is going to sound arrogant to some people, 
But the scripture the Lord gave me was 1 Samuel chapter 5. Turn there with me. I'll close with this. I mean, we, I got you for the rest of your life. 1 Samuel 5. I want you to know as your pastor, everything we do, from Brother Tony on the, org- on the B3, you know those B3 organs were made for churches? And the guy that made them discontinued making them because Elvis and those guys started using them and he didn't like that, that rock and roll people were using them. They stole our music. Elvis would come here to feel it. He'd have quartets travel with him to sing to him at night so he could feel peace. And that's what we do, we create an atmosphere. Some of you, the only time you're going to feel God's presence somewhere this week is right now. Some of you will go back to a home where nobody believes God but you. Go to a work that's environment that's hostile. You have a Goliath facing you this week. So this is a place you can come and get charged up and leave out of here and prevail in every battle of life. I see you prevailing in every battle of life in Jesus' name. Yeah, I, I don't go to like filthy places, but I also don't go to religious places. There's some places, you know, you pick up evil things at the wrong place, and some churches you pick up dead things. It's dead. Music's dead. Preaching's dead. Some people you hear them preach, you feel like saying, do you know Jesus? You talk about him like he's George Washington. He was born in 33 AD in Bethlehem, which is very arid this time of year, about 30 kilometers from the Sea of Galilee. Do you talk about your father like that? Tiff Shuttlesworth is coming. He lives in Bangor, Maine. Bangor's a town. No, I know him. If you know Jesus, I mean know him, not know about him, like I know about Joe Biden or or Donald Trump or know about uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I've never met him, though. I know about them. But if you know Jesus... It's impossible to know him and not be impacted by him. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everybody he came in contact with was just getting blessed. Getting their taxes paid. Getting free fish sandwiches. Getting new legs that could walk. New eyes that could see. He's alive. The stone's been rolled away. He's alive. No longer where he lay. He's alive again. I can hear the angel say, let all the world rejoice. He's alive. If you're happy, he's alive. If you know he's alive, if he's alive on the inside of you, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Let the devil know you know he's defeated. You can be seated. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Now, T.L. Osborne that held a meeting in here in the 1950s, he was going to preach in Uganda or or, or in Kenya. Where did did, uh, did Osborne meet? meet? It was Uganda. 
So he's supposed to have this pastor, the top interpreter, interpret for him. It's a huge crusade. And there's a 19-year-old on the platform who just felt called to the ministry, and somehow they, they let him sit up there. T.L. Osborne walks by him and stops and looks and says, you're the one to interpret for me tonight, which ticked off, you know, all the, all the hierarchy. So he takes this 18-year-old, 19-year-old named Robert Kayanja and has him interpret for him. Led by the Spirit, this is the guy. Attach yourself to him. Says, come, come with me to my next city I'm going to. Carries him all around with him. And then when they finally finish, he would use a big jug of anointing oil. You know, when you anoint 50,000 or 100,000 people, you can't have a little thing like this, like a perfume sample from Macy's. So he's got this big wooden thing. And when he finishes anointing everyone, he tells him to lift his hands and takes the whole bottle of oil and pours it over top of him and gives him a word. That guy starts a church. Miracle Center in Kampala, Uganda. That's the guy. You know how we did 40 days of glory? I stole it from him. He did 70 days of glory in Kampala. They were having eight to 10,000 people a night come. 8 p.m. till midnight, praying for the sick. I, I keep in touch with him on Instagram. I was talking about him one time like this and somebody sent him the clip and we've been talking. He played the clip for his church. See, when you get, when you get in the Holy Ghost, you'll get hooked up with different people. Same way as somebody gets on drugs, they just start finding people. You don't have to go on, uh, do an internet search, where can I buy heroin? They just seem to find you. When you go on the other stream, you, you find other people. So he starts that church, years, years down the line. So they do 70 days of glory. They're getting all kinds of people healed, particularly crippled people. So they have a stash by the stage of crutches, wheelchairs, and walkers. So he, said, he says, I feel led to announce 70 days of glory round two. In round two, they had another peculiar thing happen. An imam came, that's like a Muslim pastor, the head of the mosque in Kampala comes. He gets born again, healed, and filled with the Holy Ghost. He gives his testimony, then takes off his cap, takes off his sash and his robe, and lays it on, on the altar. Then he was a top imam. So a bunch of other ones, why did they come? Because there's no healing in mosques. There's no healing in Buddhist temples. You know what they teach? They teach you have to accept what God does. It's not for you to question. Gee, that sounds like a lot about what churches teach in America. Jesus never told anybody accept your lot in life. Do you want to walk? Do you want to see? Do you want to hear? Then as your faith is, so be it unto you. And Jesus never changes. I said, Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if any local churches think I'm, I'm talking about them, I'm, not, I'm talking about generally in America and the world. I do not have a local ministry. We're on nationally. So don't get your panties in a bunch thinking I'm talking, uh, shorts and I'm not, thinking I'm talking about you. Sorry, slipped out, still early for me. This is not a local thing. This is what, what the devil's plan for the world, and this is God's plan to flip the devil's plan back on his head. Can you say amen? Can you say it better, amen? So then, these Muslim imams have sick people in their family that get healed. Turn to Acts chapter 5. 
I know 1 Samuel 5 was just a drill. Go to Acts 5. What was the early church like? I'm going to close with this. Then I'm going to pray for anybody that wants prayer. Then I'll leave you to your own families because this is not a cult. That's why we dismiss you at the end instead of all sleep in bunk beds. What was the early church like? Acts chapter 4. I know I said 5. Let me start a little up. 23. 423. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. Now, when it says they were freed, what were they freed from? They were arrested and told never to preach again or teach in the name of Jesus. Just like same spirit wants to do now in America. You people can have church. You can give out bottled water to the homeless. You can clean up the city parks and do good works and mask up and love your neighbor, but don't preach, don't lay hands on the sick. What did Dr. Fauci say? Chant quietly, don't sing, because singing spreads the virus. I just took a note of everything he said and figured we're going to do it to the 10th power. So the devil doesn't like loud singing, we're going to sing so loud, the, the, the rock and roll people will be at a lower decibel than we are in this theater. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. We order you to preach and teach. So Peter and John returned and said, hey guys, we need to tone it down. No, as soon as Peter and John were freed, they returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. And they said, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Ghost through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? This is not a new thing. World Economic Forum. Laws they're trying to pass to silence the church on social media. To silence any dissent against the chemical castration of children. The devil's been plotting things since the beginning of time. But you know what the Holy Ghost said through David? Why is he wasting his time with futile plans? The devil's not over our head. The devil is under our feet. The kings of the earth. By the way, Montana outlawed transgender surgeries for children yesterday. Nebraska did it two days before that. This country does not belong to hell. This country's going to be a place of heaven on earth and revival. That's a fact. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago and said, why did the nations rage? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, that has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, what was, what was the early church's response? When they're facing persecution, let's take it easy. No, now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us. Everybody say me. me. This is what they prayed for. Anything they prayed for in the Bible, you can pray. Lord, give me great boldness. Some of you, that's what people are telling you. Not you're, you're too bold. And you actually, including me, need to get more bold. Give us more boldness. Devil thinks we're too loud, be louder. 
too bold, be bolder. You give too much, give more. Anything the devil tells you not to do, do it twice. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch forth your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders. Everybody say signs and wonders. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place. The meeting place shook. What's the name of that hotel that Sylvester Stallone stays at in, in the beginning of Tulsa King? In Tulsa. What's it called? Shame on you for watching that show, but thank you. It's called the Mayo. <laughs> Do you know that hotel was closed down for 30 years? Because Enoch Adeboye and the Redeemed Christian Church of God came there in 1979 and they held a prayer meeting there. And the engineer came, not, not in the ballroom, in their room. Him and four other preachers were praying, and the manager came and said, you guys have to stop playing instruments in this room. It, it's shaking the building. They said, we don't have any instruments. And he didn't believe them, so he let them in the room. They looked all through. There's no bass guitar. It was okay. So they keep praying. The vibration wouldn't stop. So they condemned the building. This is a true story. They condemned the building because they thought there was an engineering de de uh, uh, mis malfunction that they couldn't find somewhere in the foundation. And Attaboya was telling his children when he took them to Oral Roberts University about it, and he saw it was still closed 30 years later. So he went and laid hands on the building again because he felt bad and said, Father, for the sake of the owners of this property, please restore this building and let it open back up again. And you look it up on Wikipedia when it opened back up. It was the same year he prayed, and, and it's one of the top hotels in Tulsa. Why? Because that power, the prayer of a righteous man, produces great power. And has one, everybody say signs and wonders. Now, you remember I said this before Jesus comes back. There are going to be things that happen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is one of them, that are going to astound the mind of unbelievers. Anybody can argue what they think are facts. You have your facts, they have their facts. But nobody can argue with a miracle. When somebody that's born blind begins to see. When someone with a withered hand has their hand grow out. That's the calling card of the church. Not just talking about our ideas and living a good life. No. That we have power. The same power that rolled the stone aside and took Jesus' body out of the tomb never to die again. That power is available to everybody that wants it. How many of you are hungry today? How many of you are thirsty for his righteousness? You're going to get filled. The building shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now what happened in answer to their prayer? Acts 5, Acts 5, 12. Sorry, still getting the lay of the land. The apostles were performing how, a few signs and wonders among the people. The apostles were performing what? Many what? Yeah, that's the early church. Praying for the sick. 
Not keeping the sick in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer. No. Pray for the sick. That's what Osborne did when he was here. That's what Jack Coe did in this building. Bring the sick of Pittsburgh. And we're going to preach the word to them and pray for them. All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one dared join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds. Multitudes. You're going to read that word a lot in Jesus' ministry and in the book of Acts. Miracles produce crowds. Power attracts people. That's why the devil wants that taken out of the church. So we were sitting here. If we kick the Holy Ghost out of church, if I said, you know what, I'm going to start a church in Pittsburgh, but that, kind, that stuff's kind of like outdated, and so we want to be trendy. Where are all the trendy churches now? 31 people, whole staff laid off. No churches like that survived COVID. Not one. Because you can have a cute little church when times are good and the Dow Jones is at 35,000 and the economy's sailing. But when, when, the, when it hits the fan, those churches wilt like a flower in the heat. And in this last hour of time, God's not looking for a cute, acceptable church. He's looking for a church that's full of the Holy Ghost and fire to get the power to the people. Somebody shout power to the people. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on bed and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were, how many were healed? How many of you know, God, we don't know why he does? No, they were all healed. That's how the early church grew. So Robert Kayanja gets that oil on him, starts that church, seven days of glory, then all the imams start getting healed. There's a pile on one side of the platform of wheelchairs, canes, crutches, and walkers, and a pile on the other side of imam robes that the, the heads of the, of the mosques came and received Jesus Christ and were saved. Then they go round three. You know what happened in round three? The top DJs in Africa, the top footballers in Africa, soccer players, the top athletes start coming and giving their life to Jesus. And I don't mean some kind of celebrity conversion, like they're doing the church a favor. I'm talking about soccer players crying. I've been running around on my wife on the road, asking her, I want you to forgive me, honey. I, I want our marriage to work. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And then athletes in the third round of 70 days start going. So we did 40 days of glory here last year. Within seven days, Roe versus Wade overturned. EPA ruling against gasoline and coal and natural gas overturned. Because this is the hour, not for the church to shrink back, but to take that power to its nation. And that's what we're going to do at this church in Jesus' name. Honor the Holy Ghost. So... Then he, 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 he bought a national television station, Robert Kanja, had it on national TV. And so did you see that Kamala Harris flew over to Uganda with $16 million to tell him to pass LGBTQIA uh, laws that, that are pro-LGBTQIA and transgender stuff for the kids? 
And the country told her to take her money and fly back to America. And they passed a law that all that stuff's illegal this week. Why? Because a 19-year-old got full of the Holy Ghost and did what the Lord called him to do, and it turned the nation around. Let me tell you something. That's not going to just happen in Uganda. There's going to be young men, young women, old men, old women that are going to get full of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to take Pittsburgh for Jesus Christ. You're going to toss the devil's sorry rear end back out of this country in Jesus' name. Stand on your feet, everybody. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Lift both hands to the Lord and say it from your spirit. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Now with your hands lifted, just begin to thank him out of your mouth. If you're filled with the spirit, begin to thank him in the spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they preached God's message with boldness. Go ahead, take 30 more seconds, lift him up. For the Lord, he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. And his mercy endureth forever to every generation, every generation. You can put your hands down and look up at me. Why should somebody that's demon-possessed be more intent on pumping fentanyl through Pittsburgh than the children of God are pumping God's power through Pittsburgh? Can you say amen? Because that signs and wonders and healing and miracles, that ends around the whole system. I told you that friend of mine in the ministry that was preaching in Long Island, New York, Kid comes in that's on heroin, gets completely delivered of heroin. Completely in one night. And two nights later at the revival, a limousine pulls up. And the head of one of the five families in New York, I could tell you which one, comes out of the limousine. Where's the, where's the preacher that prayed for my grandson? He's in there. Comes in with his, his bodyguards. I want to thank you. Thank you for, for taking care of my grandson, Father. You know, they don't call you Father. When that head of the mafia passed away, they sent a limousine to that preacher's house to go to the funeral, sent it for him, and then asked him to ride in, in the vehicle with the guy. Before that guy died, he called for him and had him come in and told him, confess to him that he needed to receive Jesus Christ, led him to the Lord. You can't invite that guy to church. You'd be amazed if you start praying for people recklessly, left and right. Eventually you get a senator's son. Eventually you get the owner of a sports team's son that's been in and out of methadone clinics and they've been paying hundreds of thousands of dollars and can't get him right. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Next week there's going to be motorcycle chapters here. Oh, you've got to be careful. They're not a... Criminals have more respect for church than preachers do, or than Christians do. I'm not, and if you're in the motorcycle club, I'm not calling you a criminal. I'm just saying as, in general. Why? Because everyone should hear. 
Found out as they were inviting people, one of the heads of the motorcycle chapters in Pittsburgh was in my meeting when he was 15 and got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He's away from the Lord now, but he's coming. He's going to come. You're going to get saved. This is not a hideout church. Oh, the world's so wicked. Thank God we have a safe place to come with our families. The church is supposed to conduct itself in a way that makes the devil need a safe place. Just kick his tail six days a week and come back and celebrate on Sunday. Go out and do it again. Come back and celebrate. Go out and do it again. Pop it. Kick his tail. Re-kick it. Jesus stripped him of all his power. I said Jesus stripped him of all his power. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders done. But what did they pray? Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. It was the Lord doing it through their hands. And that's what being filled with the Holy Ghost is. It's allowing God's power. Now, if you came here from another kind of denomination that's not considered a Pentecostal denomination, if you'll go back into the history of that church, you'll find out they made me look like a lightweight. John Wesley laid hands on the, John Wesley, the Methodist church, laid hands on his horse when his horse died and raised his horse from the dead so he could go to his next meeting. Had people fall out in his meetings. Read it. Presbyterian, all these moves of God, these denominations started with a move of God. Then they settled it down and formalized it. Oh, Father, as we come here today, we ask that thy presence and thy power would fill this place. Touch us as we go in Jesus' name. No room for the Holy Ghost. You know, if you announce, and, and again, my, some of my favorite churches are like this. But in general, if you announce that the first service is at 8 a.m., second service is at 9.30, so the first one has to be out at 9.10 to clear the parking lot, there's not even room for a move of God. That's why we're building a big church. I'm not having multiple services. I'll put awnings out on the outside and have 4,000 people sitting outside and 3,000 inside. Because, you know, it, listen now. If you missed... If you missed the Sermon on the Mount, there was not a second showing at 3 p.m. If you missed the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, there was not a second service that come and get it. If somebody left early for soccer practice, they missed it. They gathered together. God likes big gatherings. We found out during the lockdown that Dr. Fauci and the enemy likes all the Christians to be disconnected watching on YouTube. They're only one in their house. It is good when you come here and meet people that are of like, the Bible says, of like precious faith. There's a power. It's not the same when you have 15 people singing to the Lord than when you have this crew and all of us. This theater, full of people singing to God. There's a power. One lady testified that God healed when we played the, uh, her testimony. She said, I came in crippled, and when I walked in, it felt like I hit a wall of the anointing. Her paralysis came out of her because the right atmosphere. But it's not God's will just for it to be in the atmosphere. He wants it in you. It was never the will of God to dwell in temples made by human hands. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This lady in the tan button-up coat, yep, step right out to the center there, out by the, the, that soundboard that has the cover over it. Right there is fine. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Hand of God's been on you for like one hour. Be filled. That's it. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 
Now, as they tell you on Christian radio, we pay people to do that. Last night I paused Call of Duty and said to Adalas, find me some ladies that are willing to fall over backwards so that I can end my sermon that way. And then have them wear a, a, a khaki coat, button-up coat, so that I know it's them. I promise you, if you had to manufacture it, I'd, I'd quit right now. I grew up in this. There's people that fake. There's people that put on. There's people that imitate. But there's people that do that in every profession. But there's a reality to the things of the Spirit. And this generation needs to receive it today. Can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, what John Wesley brought to his generation, what the Apostle Peter brought to his generation, what Oral Roberts brought to his generation, empower us today in this church to bring to our hungry, desperate generation. Fentanyl should not write the story of my age group. Empower us today. Do for us today what you did for the early church in Acts chapter 4. In Jesus' name. Sweep over this congregation. The needs are so various and many. It would take through halfway tomorrow for me to sit everybody down one-on-one -on -one and ask what they need prayer for, but you know, you know everybody. You know every need that's represented. And there's no need, there's no desires, there's no requests in anybody's life that you can't take care of before one o'clock. You created the whole world in six days. I curse drug addiction. I curse the spirit of fear and anxiety and depression and racing thoughts at two in the morning about death and destruction. Everything that's of the devil, I command it out, out of everybody's life. Rico rega indiaboto rico stondiedebe briga indiarabostodo prondo rekiti. Blessed be your name forever and ever. Great are you, Lord. Greatly to be praised. Give us, give us over a thousand next week, I ask you, Lord, to hear the word and be saved, empower every worker of this church. When we invite people, let it, let it just hit them right. Let them hear it right. Let them, maybe if they're opposed to it, may they, may they just feel unopposed when they hear it somehow. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you can put your hands down. If you're here today and you say, Jonathan, I've, I've been struggling. And I realize that my struggle is I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. Think about this. Why did that, why did that head of one of the mafia families call for my preacher friend to come talk to him when he knew he was going to die? There is a heaven. There is a hell. Deep down, you know that. Every person will spend their eternity in one of those two places. That's not determined by God. That's determined by you right now. What about people that haven't heard? I'm not talking to people that haven't heard. I'm talking to somebody that's heard right now. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ publicly? Like he died for you publicly. Has there ever been a specific time where you've come out of the crowd and made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? 
If you've never done that, or you've once done it and you've fallen away. Some of you that are here right now, you, you, if you think back, you know the Lord's been working on you. A year ago, you'd have never come to a church like this, no matter how many times people invited you, but here you are. Because Jesus does not want you lost. He died that you could be saved. There's no sin or amount of sins you've committed that the blood of Jesus won't cleanse you from. Nobody's done anything too bad for him. Paul said, I was the worst sinner of them all, and he became an apostle. So God's not impressed by what you've done wrong. Receive his righteousness. But you have to repent. You have to turn your back on your own way of living and receive Christ. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I've never done that, or I once did it, but I fell away. But I want to come to the Lord today. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me, and we're going to pray in Jesus' name. I see you up in the balcony. Who else on the floor? I need to give my life to the Lord. Put your hand up nice and high where I can see it. Who else in the balcony? That's awesome. That's a lot. And that makes me happy. That's why we're here. It's for you. I have come, Jesus said, to seek and save those who are lost. You're not going to leave here lost anymore. You're going to be right in the center of God's will. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, that meant business with God. We're going to wait a minute or so to let you come down from the balcony. Begin to come down right now and meet me at the front. We're going to pray. I'm not going to hold you long, but we're going to pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come now. All the young people, all the young adults, all the mothers, all the fathers. This is your day. This is your day to be saved. Go ahead. Keep coming. If the Lord's wrestling with your heart, come now.
Let me tell you one more thing before I, I pray with them and leave you alone. Oh, more? More? All right. Yeah. More? Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's clear the whole devil's crowd out. Let him lose everybody today. say before we had a second deluge of souls is uh, before the Lord called me to pastor I had already told Adalas that I wasn't gonna do Sunday morning churches anymore I was gonna start all my meetings on Sunday night because I, I despised Sunday morning church services in America because if you did something like this people would come forward to get saved and about 40% of the crowd would get their jackets and leave don't give a, a, a don't have any care for souls or the lost or it's like a theater show and the show's over, and these people, need, you know, they can go to hell, go to heaven, no matter to me. And then here, no one moves. Because it's a church full of soul winners that are invested in eternity. And I love you. You've, you, 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 you've probably added 15 years to my life. Because if I'd have been in those other churches, I probably would have flung myself off a cliff. In about seven more years, I couldn't take it. And look at, all, look at all the people that love God and love souls and love what God loves. Amen. Now, if we keep meeting here, and I'm not saying, you know, we're planning on going back to Montoya Junk, but I'm, t I'm just making a point. If we kept having services like this, then very soon, because of what's happening in the anointing, we'd go to leave and there'd be people like in Acts 5 that were afraid to come in, but they'd be sitting outside asking for prayer You'd, you, you'd clear and I'll tell you another thing then you'd start having because all you need a place to eat You'd start having restaurants open up around here again. It, it would revitalize a church is a one-stop city revitalization project Pittsburgh's in good shape my friend. Can you say amen? All right You have children here at the altar how many? I'm going to give you $1,000 on your way out the door just because to help with the kids and everything. Not because I feel sorry for you or anything. Amen? So that, see the guy in the nice dark blue suit? That's Augustine. He's with me. He, he'll give you the money on my behalf. I just felt to do that from Jesus. Go have some fun. Go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. How do you lift your hands across the front? Now, I'm going to give you the words to say when you pray, but say them from your heart and a real God hears you. Say this nice and loud. Heavenly Father, 
I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.